Hello and welcome to this latest edition of the Powder Blue Podcast. Frank Close here along with Jeff Mosher. Hunter Brody will join us again soon. He's busy uh, talking about the stuff going on with the Sixers, uh, the, the latest Brown to underachieve in the line of Dominic Brown and uh, the Flyers, of course, uh, making a Reggie Brown and <laughs> making a nice <laughs> playoff push. So, uh, so Jeff, it's good to see you. Thank you. And now that you just brought it up, there's Reggie Brown, there's Dominic Brown, there's Nay Brown. Remember him? Lots of Browns. Eagles wide receiver who didn't quite cut it. There had to have been another Phillies Brown somewhere along the line, right? I mean, this is a Phillies. Oh, show, there right? had to be. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have to find that now because I brought it up and and I should have I should have looked it up before, but you know, uh, I'll have to check this the all time <laughs> Phillies roster. They actually have that on Phillies.com. You can see every oh, player that has ever played for the, the Phillies. Now, uh, lots to talk about today. So when we talked last time, things were looking pretty good for the Phillies because they had this really nice little four-game win streak, uh, uh, which, which got snapped. And then next thing you know, it seems like the sky is falling all over again. And by the way, yes, yeah, so how could I forget Ollie Brown? All right, I know I had some of his baseball cards, but Lloyd there Brown played 1940. Buster Brown, huh? Buster Brown. How could we forget Buster Brown? Paul Brown, 61 to 68. Tommy Brown, 51 to 52. Byron Brown, spelled with an E after. Actually, Byron, Earl, and George they all had, a, had an E at the end of Brown. But, but were George, these all underperforming Browns? I don't know. I, I actually, Byron Brown played 70 to 72. I don't remember him. Earl Brown, 37 to 38. Definitely don't know him. George Brown, 1912. So, <laughs> um, How about Bryce Brown? You remember him? The Eagles running back who had two great games and then completely bottomed out after that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, well, we, we could do a whole show on guys named Brown, but, um, <laughs> but let's talk about the. Uh, the red the Phillies are in essentially <laughs> with, mm-hmm. with this losing record. So the Phillies showed some great promise, but they, they could not escape the bullpen. And it got to the point where you had one bad start by Aaron Nola, and it just makes everything look terrible all over again right now. So, so let, let, let's go back. Um, I guess it's what a few days now, because things happen very, very fast. The Phillies bottomed out and the bullpen blows yet another game that they right. should have won, and we finally get a reaction from their general manager. So I wrote about this on sportstalkphilly.com at the time. Basically, Matt Klintak, $200 million payroll. I, I'll say this. I'm not the guy that always overreacts. Every time something bad happens, I say fire the GM because I know that's what a lot of people do in Philadelphia, let's be honest. But. This neglectful bullpen is enough to get a general manager fired. Would you agree with that sentiment, Jeff? Yeah, I think you used the best word, neglectful. I mean, let's think about this. Despite what was said at the end of last year about these great bullpen heroics and they weren't that bad, yada, yada, we knew, and the Phillies knew, going into the offseason, that they were going to have to upgrade this bullpen. And it turns out that, the offseason was abnormal. COVID stood in the way. Maybe there weren't as many moves made as normal, but I think that there were. They brought in DD. Um, they did other things, right? But they did bring in a bunch of veterans. It's hard to upgrade a bullpen, right? Because arms are, are year to year to year to year. Unless there's a, uh, an Andrew Miller from five years out there or somebody who, like a real stud, it's really hard. And there really weren't any stud relievers 
out there on the market. So what did the Phillies do? Frank, we talked about it all. They brought in all these veterans, you know, the Swarzaks, the, uh, the Rianos, the Bud Norrises, the Storins, and none of them made the team. Like not any single one of these guys made the team. Now, maybe they all stunk. I have a hard time believing all of them did, but whatever. But as soon as you realize as a squad, Frank, after the second spring training or summer training, these guys aren't going to make the team, then you've got to make a counter move. You've got to start picking up the phone right then and there because if not, I mean, Matt Klentag had to know he was going into the restart season or the startup season, short season, with the same bullpen problems he had the year before and the year before that. And I don't understand how he could have expected to be competitive with those same bullpen problems. Now, this bullpen has been historically bad. I mean, now, let me ask you this, Jeff. Did, did you think it would be bad to this level? Did you think that every night, that for a while, the Phillies had a 90 array out of their bullpen? I think it's now up down to the high sevens. Uh, still not wonderful, yeah. but... I mean, I had major concerns. I did. I mean, that because, bad? Would it be that bad? I mean... Well, you never can predict a th- that someone's going to be historically bad. But if you're asking me if I felt like a pretty decent Phillies team could sink under 500 or go on a losing streak or not fulfill its reputation because they went into the year with guys like Guerra and Trevor Kelly and um, uh, yeah, uh, Cole Irvin Davis. started and, and who else? Austin Davis. I mean, Austin Davis. Keep... Thank you. That's now, the one the I couldn't three remember. Three of those yeah. names, by the way, are already designated for assignment. They're off the 40-man roster. You may never see any of them ever again. Kelly is de- right. was designated, Austin Davis, and now Daly Squerta. Yeah, so yes, the answer is yes. I mean, and you know how I feel in general about Hector Neris. He was one of their, quote-unquote, more reliable arms going into the year, uh, along with, with, uh, with Alvarez. But I, I'm not – and I said this last time. I mean, like Tommy Hunter – and um, Adam Morgan, like, they've pitched well at times for the Phillies, but these are not guys that around the league are respected as upper echelon middle relievers either, but they are for the Phillies. So, I, yeah, I thought the recipe for disaster was there. By the way, one quick note about Tommy Hunter. When his velocity is up, he looks good. Now, we're, we're recording this Monday night. If you saw him pitch Sunday night, he looked good. Why? Because yes. his fastball was touching 94. He's got to hit 94. Like you can't. The couple of games he was only ninety one, ninety two, and that 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 three miles an hour makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. And uh, so, look, here we are, and it's like a reactive move, right? Oh my God, our bullpen stinks! Surprise, surprise. Now let's go trade arms for arms, and I, you know, look, like could this come back and haunt the Phillies for who they gave up? I have a hard time even forming an opinion on that because I've been so critical of arm this team's inability to develop any arm whether it's a pitching arm or a lever arm that i'm not really confident that the guys that gave up are any any good or that will be any good well before we break down the trade let's talk for a second about hector hector neris i know he's one of your favorite players but um <laughs> you know, yes yeah no jeff no, mosher if, you, if no, you're we, just joining us for the first time uh um jeff mosher is not a hector neris fan but you know the Phillies seem to say, well, okay, he, he had a good 2019, therefore we should count on him as the closer. Now, obviously, you would not think that was a good idea. Is that correct? I mean, now we saw 2018, he had a terrible 2018, yeah. but, yeah. but, but did, is one of the reasons why this bullpen has been so bad is they 
we're counting on Hector Neris to be the 2019 Hector Neris. Yes. Now, ask the Mets what they think about a reliever who has a really good year and then trying to duplicate that. They traded for – everybody thinks they traded for Robin Cano. No. <laughs> he was the throw-in for the deal for them to get Diaz, their closer. Yeah, they right? had to take on yeah. the salary of Cano just to get Edwin Diaz. <laughs> exactly. Diaz, I think, had 50 saves that year for the Mariners. He, he was unbelievable. He was, he was electric. For the Mariners, right? He has been worse than Hector Neris' worst day for two years or a year and a <laughs> half here for the Mets, right? So you just can't have a reliever. Have a, anybody, Frank, you know this. I don't want to say anybody, but there's a billion relievers who can be put in the position to get 25 to 30 saves convert 80% of them, get that number, still finish with like a two or even an ERA in the threes. I have watched Hector Neris. I don't, I, I ignore the numbers. I watch the pitcher. And the one thing about Hector Neris that is consistent is that he throws a nasty split finger fastball, right? But as you know, a spit, split finger fastball is not meant to be thrown for a strike. It's a pitch that goes out of the strike zone. So in order to use that effectively, you need to set it up with a fastball that is in the strike zone so you can get those batters thinking that that splitty is going to be in the zone so they get, go waving at it. He does not have effective command of a fastball, and he doesn't have command of any other pitch. It's a splitty or it's nothing. So when he plays teams like the Braves and even you know, teams that will be more patient and understand that that ball looks good for a second but it's about to dive into the dirt, then he falls behind. And when he falls behind, you can't – you can't put runners on base and throw a splitty because the ball's in the dirt. Your catcher's chasing it. He's not a good closer. He can get 20 saves the way anybody can, but he has not enough of a pitching arsenal. And I will say his, his command has been off this year. That, that's absolutely the case. And, you know, when he gets behind in the count, guess what? The opposing teams that are good, they're just waiting for that fastball. They're just going to let him fall behind, sit on the fastball, and then all kinds of damage happens. Now, one thing happened the other night that I, I, I tend to think is un, inexcusable, and that is uh, he mm-hmm. clearly crossed up JT Real Muto. I, I know you were, you were thinking what, what I was saying, the way you were nodding your head as I started oh, yeah. to say it, but, but uh, what do you do when somebody crosses up your catcher? Not, not just any catcher, okay? So th- this, this, this is not uh, Tom Prince backing up uh, Mike Lieberthal. Like, this, is, this is the premier catcher in all of baseball right now, crossed up by Hector Neris. And the, that look that he gave him was sh- was even worse than last year with Jared, Jared Hughes, Hughes. Coming, out, coming out of the bullpen. It was classic. It was vintage uh, Rio Muto. But you can't listen if you lose the faith of the best player on the team or the best one of the best players on the team. And as you mentioned, the best catcher in baseball. That's not good. And to go. To, by the way, that happened when he was came in in the eighth inning. Correct. Of that correct. Game? I'm not sure the eighth inning is even a really good role for Hector Neris because an eighth inning guy sometimes comes in with runners on base. And if you can't command anything and have to throw splitties with runners on base, they're going to be moving all around. It's, I don't know what to do with Hector Neris at this point. I wouldn't well, that, that was going to be right. my next question. Like, like what, what's the appropriate thing to do? Do you wait for him to pitch in blowouts and try to get the command back? I mean, it, no, I, I, I just honestly it wouldn't surprise me if this guy was out of baseball in a year or two. He, I just never felt he's had great command of even his fastball. He's had a couple of stretches where he got, I don't want to say he got lucky, but he got teams to swing at it and things were going well. But over the course of his career, to me, he's been very unreliable. So, so, I mean, let's look at the numbers. So 2016, that was his first real full year. He makes 79 appearances, which is a lot of appearances 
He's not even the mm-hmm. closer yet. I think Jenmar Gomez was was was, was the closer. Right. By the way, talking about how relievers come oh and go, like and have their good year as a closer, and then they disappear. So, uh, so 2016, he is the he is a setup man, and and he uh, in that 80.1 inning, or I hate that point one by the way, 80 and one third innings, <laughs> um, ERA of 2.58, and then mm-hmm. 2017, his first year as the closer, he saves 26, ERA 3.01, uh, but then. 2018 was just a disaster. Uh, that that was the one that started with that game in Los Angeles, if you remember, where he blows that three-run lead. Uh, right. And tried to, and then it just he seemed from there on he seemed like all out of whack. Now last year, uh, 2.93 ERA, uh, 28 saves. Now looking at, he had six losses last year. So can you get, that that <laughs> that's, a, that's lot a lot for a closer. That, yeah, that is a lot for a closer. So that means he entered a lot of now. Mm-hmm. Did that mean he entered a lot of tie games, or I mean, uh, or were those games that he blew? I mean, that that could be one or the other. He had three wins. I mean, so nonetheless, win- if you're a, a good closer, you got to protect that tie, you know, or and, yeah. and help give your team a chance to win. Yeah. So based on that body of work, they 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 went into him as as their relief face, and, and then that's where they are right now. Now he's got an eleven point one two ERA in his uh, in his eight appearances so far, and. And like you said, you know, <laughs> they added some arms, but you got to be really, really uh, worried about how to how to use Hector Neris now. So, so let's move on to these these new arms. So, the Phillies, wait, real quick though, what, yeah. if I can make one last point on Hector Neris, because I've basically just rolled the bus over this guy. When we talk about 2017 being one of his better years, which it was, 26 saves, 3.01 ERA. I go back to this again and say, for a closer, an ERA over three is not top of the line. You know, your, your best closers and even some of your good closers are two and a half to lower. Your best ones are lower than one, right? It's the guys who save 25 games and have an ERA over three that are not closers two years later, right? And a lot of them just lose it or get discovered and they're out of the league or they're just not what they meant to be. So I just, I, I don't think this team has a role for Hector Neris and I don't think he has a role anymore with the Phillies. If hey, I were on the club, harsh words, considering uh, they they probably have to get something out of them this year if they're gonna if they're gonna make it to the finish line. Now, they added three arms in one day. Now that now that that was a a move of would you say that's a move of desperation from Matt Clintac? As I started saying earlier, like this bullpen's the kind of thing that that causes a general manager to lose his job. Three mm-hmm. arms in one day. So what what, what did you just? Let's talk first about rather rather than the trade itself, but the three arms you got. Are you happy adding those three arms? Well, uh, Workman is a guy who strikes out a lot of batters and has more than just one pitch, which I like. So uh, I kind of expected him to come to Philadelphia and be a little like, oh, this is a new place, and it doesn't surprise me. He gave up a few hits and, and a run uh, in his first outing. I think he's better – than Neris, and I think he's better than what they've got, so I like that. But and he's you your know, closer, David, right? Yeah, pro, yeah, I would think so. David David Hale was DFA'd by the Yankees, so when you, so you're cool. literally just trading DFAs for DFAs, right? You you DFA'd a bunch yeah. of your guys, but at least he's got some experience, so it's not terrible. Um, I'm kind of in, intrigued by um, I, I, I'm Heath Hembry. Heath Hembry, right? Because he's had some decent numbers. Um, he's also he, I don't know. He's either to me, he's either just Tommy Hunter or maybe because he's got more experience and has been around can be a little bit better than that. But, you know, three, five, seven ERA, uh, his FIP is a little high at over four. So, I mean, I feel like that that's Tommy Hunter-ish. 
Yeah, that, that, that might not be a bad comp. I mean, that, uh, this year was a little below his average. Uh, I mean, granted, it's a small sample. That's the thing, too. It's kind of a small sample size. So I think mm-hmm. even the Phillies tagged him for a couple of runs, if I'm not mistaken, when they played in Boston. I'll have to, I'll have to look that up now that I'm thinking about that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, he, he was somebody who's, who's given uh, the um, Boston Red Sox a lot of appearances uh, over the, the last five years. Like, dating back to 2014 is when he – um, he debuted with the, the the Giants and then went over to the the Red Sox. But um, mm-hmm. so so there's there's I, I was kind of I found it kind of interesting that they went right to him in like a seventh inning to protect the lead the other night or last night. So right. um, they they seem they seem poised to 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 get right to these guys to protect some leads. I mean, uh, uh, David Hale, by the way, was warming up on. Sunday night when when the the Phillies lead would seem to be threatened uh, just in case Workman couldn't get out of it. So right, it seems like Joe Girardi is putting a lot of faith into these three guys right away. So who do you, who how do you see this pecking order? Do, let's do nine eight seven. Workman is nine. Who's eight right now? Right now it, it's probably still Hunter. But it, see it, see if I'm if I'm if I'm in the bullpen now if if I'm Bob Stumpo catching him or. Um, if I'm Jim Gott, who's the, the bullpen coach, I'm paying close attention to Hunter as he's warming up. If mm-hmm. he doesn't have the velocity, I don't want him in there. Now, mm-hmm. usually if you get to the eighth inning, you say, oh, shoot, what else do we do? Uh, but I, but I, I think right now the fact that Hunter's been coming off injury, you got to watch him for when he doesn't have his fastball. So, that, so I could put him there. You know, you want to match him with Jose Alvarez more and him in a second, the poor soul. Uh, mm. you know, but maybe, maybe, maybe you play matchups on those two guys best you can. Uh, right. and that way by the seventh inning, you have Hembry, Hale, uh, Adam Morgan. Um, hopefully, hopefully your starter gives you six, but, um, you just kind of work back from there. I mean, the, well, the, uh, is the idea here that we never have to see Cole Irvin and, uh, Connor Brogdon again, because now you've got like three, you just brought in three guys, you know? Yeah, well, well, Ir- Irvin was optioned, so I mean, uh, you right. know, he's he's off there. Connor Brogdon was optioned, so uh, you know, you're starting to what see what becomes some... of of I'm sorry, what becomes of um, of uh, Morgan? Well, Morgan's still one of your le- your left. Ideally, I, I think we talked about this last time. He's he's the kind of guy that you wanted to get a lefty out back in the day. Well, now you're committed to three batters. I, I save mm-hmm. him. Probably for like the sixth inning, if my starters start to struggle, and you know there's a couple outs, and he can come in and get a lefty, um, right. or maybe maybe if you know there's a couple lefties coming up, you try to spread them over over a couple innings just to get the last couple outs in one inning, and maybe one in the next. So, I, I think I think there's a role for him, and then uh, then you can use somebody like Blake Parker in the middle innings, if if you know fifth sixth inning, depending on you know if you get a classic Vince Velasquez four four inning uh, outing. Then you go to somebody like Blake Parker a little bit, and, and by the way, JoJo Romero. I don't know if you caught his his major league. I did. Debut. I thought he looked really good. <laughs> now, All he, of a sudden, now we're talking about guys who can maybe get some people out. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, Romero Romero is like a lot of the others who's got some good stuff and kind of is yeah. here way ahead of schedule. Uh, I watched Romero pitch the very last game for Reading last year. He, he kind of struggled last year at Double A. So. Um, so uh, Romero, Romero though is is somebody who who is worth watching. He he was a starter. Um, I don't think the Phillies are prepared to use him as one, but uh, but that that certainly was a nice little. Uh, granted, it was it was kind of a kind of a, a mop up 
appearance for Romero of sorts, but uh, but but that that was that was a little impressive and you know worth watching. He's probably the next man that gets op- optioned when you need to add somebody else. But yeah, I like but, that he works quickly. Did you notice that? I mean, he really gets hmm. the ball and he throws it. It's um, I always feel like the relievers who do that, uh, they they're like their confidence levels high. They just get the ball, they throw it, they know where they want it, and um, it, you know helps keep up. You know, the, the, when the game creeps on and you're you need to have some life, that's always good. Yeah, so I mean, so suddenly, like you know, when you look at the the bullpen here, I mean, it's not as horrible, right? I mean, if you look at it as a whole, now I think it's going to take a while for them to really get into a rhythm. I mean, you know, as you talk, a while. About, well, you know, that's the problem, right? You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, Workman, work, Workman, they they really rushed him right to, right to Philly. Like I was shocked he was activated for the game that he made his first appearance. Like I, you know. The thought was he wasn't going to be ready uh, Saturday, right. and then th- he must have rushed right in, and then there he was. Um, you know, obviously there are a lot. There was a lot more at stake than you would like. You know, I'm sure that they're rushing mm-hmm. in trying to trying to impress everybody. You know, uh, but um, Hembry looked really really good so far, and then um, then we see um, then um, Workman, of course. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, got a little dicey Sunday night, but uh, well, uh, by the way. Is, Frank- these guys are, you know, Workman's nice, and it's it's good to bring in a guy who was like a closer last year. But it's not like he's been, you know, a Roldis Chapman for the last five or six years either. You know, he's a guy who has struggled at times, and he's a great he, look. He's got dynamic stuff. I don't know what his strikeout per per nine in is, but it's very high. It's over ten. I know that. I mean, last year he must have struck. I think he struck out over a hundred uh, batters last year in seventy three innings. So that's. That's really good. Yeah, I was like a 13.1 strikeout per night. So he clearly has stuff. Mm. But, you know, Hector Neris had a 14.1 uh, a year or two ago. So I, do I feel better? Yes. Do I feel like this is a panacea for the team and now the, we, the Phillies can kind of set, set sail knowing that their bullpen is much more stabilized? I'm not there yet. I mean, these guys, t- these guys could wind up all just being at the same level of Tommy Hunter. And I don't, I'm not trying to be, you know – negative about Tommy Hunter. I'm just making the point that they could all just be okay guys and not really good guys, you know? So it's not like the troubles are definitely behind. So is this enough to withstand? I mean, now they face some good competition against the Braves, right? So yeah, some real, real, really good bats, even with Acuna out and uh, Albies, uh, was it Albies out? Um, Yeah. Kid Camargo can play though, huh? Yeah. Yeah. They they have, they have some, they have some nice, they have some nice players, even the ones that haven't really taken off yet. The Austin Rileys of the world, they have their, they have their good moments. So, yeah. um, but, but over the long haul, where they play the better teams, they pay, they play the, the lesser teams. Would you say that this bullpen as constructed now can get it done? <laughs> I can't, I cannot tell you. I'm convinced that they are going to get it done. I can tell you I'm convinced that they're not going to have an ERA over 10 or whatever it's been <laughs> uh, for the first 15, 20 games of the season. But I'm not convinced it's still a bullpen that you can put up there and say, now the Phillies should not have issues closing out games. I'm not there yet. All right. So I'm not that- criticizing them for making the moves. I'm just saying I'm not there yet. Yeah. And, and, and I guess you should, well, I don't know if we should say give, give Clintech credit for making it happen that fast. I mean, but it was, it was clear something had to happen and, I even I was surprised that he could add three arms in one day. 
Um, and certainly somebody like uh, Workman who can close and, and Hembry who's, who's got the experience and even Hale. So now one guy they're going to be without is Jose Alvarez uh, on the 10-day IL. And, and by the way, Jeff Mosher, have you in any sport seen somebody placed on the injured list with a t- testicular contusion? No, but I have known some people who uh, <laughs> suffered the same injury in the same way because they refused uh, or didn't wear the right uh, protection. There, so. <laughs> uh, well, I, it was 105 it miles an hour off the bat. So I don't know if, Ooh, I don't know man. if the best jock strap in the world is going to protect you. Let, uh, let me ask you this though. How did he make that play? <laughs> he got the out. <laughs> you know what? He, he scored himself some fans because I mean, yeah. even, even bought barstool sports, you know, that who love to play up that kind of stuff. They were all like, man, uh, he made the play like to them. Uh, Jose Alvarez was totally anonymous, but but now I think he's like a cult hero, right? I mean, he, he's yeah. definitely got some adrenaline is a hell of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> what do you but, think though about um, the pitchers that the Phillies gave up? I wanted to ask you about. Yeah, that because, so I do want to break down the trades. So yeah, um, yeah. So the the exiting the organization uh, was Addison Russ. Okay, so uh, we saw him a little bit in the uh, preseason action. And in fact, he he, did, he was one of the guys pitching without a name or or number on his back because they didn't want to make a <laughs> they didn't want to make him a jersey for for uh, a single appearance, I guess. So Addison Russ goes for David Hale. So Russ is somebody who could be something, some some type of reliever, uh, and that is uh, that was probably it has the potential to be something where they they gave up more than they got, but you got to give up something to get something. I mean, I don't, I don't think they, I don't think beggars can be choosers at the moment. So, so, so it wasn't a slight over. I mean, it's not, not something I'm going to lose sleep over, but he was a nice player. I seen him pitch in the minor leagues. Uh, in fact, I, I really miss going to the minor league games, by the way, I always, I always <laughs> loved uh, scouting everybody. Um, but uh, you know, nice, good, nice guy too. Uh, so he, he's somebody that was a fan favorite down in Reading. Uh, Connor Siebold, uh He's somebody who, if, if he's at his best, if, if things work out the way people hope, he could be like a number four or five kind of starter. He might be at the best of Zach Eflin, perhaps. Right. So I knew Russ was the bigger name that they gave away. And now we have to yeah. all sit here, well, you know, of the two. Yeah. Russ and then and Siebel, that was the one. And then, of course, Nick Pavetta. So uh, the Red Sox, of course, take on Nick Pavetta. Uh, the Good thing luck. that they said was the the value to them in the deal was he's got three more years of control after this one, which he does. Okay, mm-hmm. and they also said they see him as a starter. Hmm. hmm. But meanwhile, they do not bring him into their major league roster just yet. They sent him to Pawtucket to work out there. What What are your thoughts on losing Nick Pavetta? <laughs> Look, man, (laughs) the Phillies, uh, no, yeah, it's nothing against Pavetta, but like the Phillies have been in a transition for the last few years, right? And the holdover, Pavetta uh, came over in one of those trades that just didn't work out, right? It was the Jonathan Papelbon trade. By the way, the fact that Ruben Amaro got something, anything to get Jonathan Papelbon and the option that was about to vest off the team was amazing. So, right. uh, So, I thought that, that the Phillies clearly won that trade, even though Pavetta didn't work out. Yeah, no, but th- so what I'm saying is they're, they're, it's like eventually they're going to have to move on from the guys who have stuff but can't put it together. And Pavetta is in that group. 
Velazquez is in that group. And do I think Velazquez is going to be on the team next year? Probably not, uh, unless he has some amazing finish here. And they've just got to develop a whole new set of pitchers. And I don't have a whole lot of confidence that they can do it because they haven't yet. But time ran out for those guys. You know, time's going to run out for Hector Neris. I, I truly believe with the Phillies at some point. So, so really, like, Pavetta, Pavetta is, is in the group that was supposed to be the rebuild. And, and other, than, other than Aaron Nola, who was drafted in, what, 2014, debuted 20, or 2015, debuted, 2014, right. debuted in 2015. Sorry about that. 15, right. Uh, but, like, so he, he was right around the time all those traits happened. So out of all the arms they had, the thought was some, some of them were going to stick. I mean, now Eflin's the only one that's in the rotation uh, right now. Uh, Velasquez is already kind of out of the rotation. He'll pitch on the sixth day if they need a sixth starter. Uh, mm-hmm. Certainly Mark Appel, who's out of baseball. Uh, ben Lively, who's playing in the right. KBO. Like, well, it, the Hamels trade killed them too. I mean, that, it absolutely murdered them. Right, right. They, they, so Jake Thompson is, is gone. Jared, Jared yeah. Eikhoff, not there. So do the Phillies need to turn a page from that? Is there something symbolic almost even to, to, to getting rid of Pavetta? Because it's, it's, it's kind of signals that, yeah, we're moving past that group of guys that we failed to develop. Yeah. Well, I mean, and again, though, it's like they're moving past it because they've, they've upgraded their starting arms. But how did they do it? Well, they signed Zach Wheeler. They signed Jake Arrieta, who's off to a decent start. You know, Spencer Howard, they have high hopes for. We haven't yet seen. We, he's their we're guy. Starting he to is see. somebody that's yeah, from the system. He is their least. guy. I can't say that he's been electric, but he's starting to get a little bit better. The point is that they, as much as they talk about develop, 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 every, almost every player that they've got right now who's making a significant impact is a player that they had to buy. You know, other than Nola, who was not, as you mentioned, drafted by this um, regime. Organization, right? That was that was the Amaro regime. Yep. So they don't really have a whole lot of ground to stand on when it comes to development. So at, almost at this point, I mean, if 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 the Phillies don't make the playoffs this year, I mean, should should Ruben Amaro, uh, Ruben Amaro, excuse me, actually, yes, the, they should the great fire Ruben Amaro. On, on NBC. <laughs> no, I, by the way, I love him. I I think he's going to be excellent. I think fans are really starting to like him on on NBC yes. Sports Philadelphia. And like I said, you, I've seen his personality in the press box. It's, it's, it's way different than you actually see. So I, I think more of that's going to come out. But, um, but, but anyway, um, you know, those names started with Ruben Amaro Jr. because he acquired some of them. But, uh, but, but at this point, um, is it time to move on from Matt Clintock if they can't make the, the, the playoffs? It's time to move on from Andy McPhail. I think there's no question that if this Phillies team does not make the playoffs, especially after he just kind of Matt Clintock went for broke here and to try to bring in arms in in a one-day haul, if they don't make the playoffs, they absolutely have to start with the new regime. No question about it. And one name, one name Kevin Cooney brought up was Dave Dombrowski. I thought that was an interesting name, Mm. you know, who, who uh, put together the great Expos team uh, before things fell apart for the Expos and then went down to, to, to Miami. Oh, Miami, right. Yeah. And then uh, the Tigers and then Boston. So he he might have, He might have one more, uh, one more organization. But that would feel, in. that would really feel like, you know, the Pat Gillick move all over again, mm. which was a good move. Right. You know, just bring it in. You built yourself. And, and I remember when Pat Gillick got the job and he basically said, I was actually covering the Phillies at the time. 
And he said, listen, my job here is to win five more games in the regular season than the past regime has been able to do because they kept, they kept close. They were close. They was always in it. Right. But then they would not the 86 close and 76 it. teams. <laughs> that seemed exactly. to every year. <laughs> and literally that is probably this Phillies team. His job would be to win more games and to, to do it by developing some more talent for this team. And uh, you could easily see the Phillies with a guy like Dombrowski leading them, making a few moves that are better, uh, maybe a couple of trades that are to their advantage, and then bam, things, good things will happen. So to, to your point you made just a moment ago, the ones that are the impact players, they all came from somewhere else. Well, here, here's the problem. You know, you, you say, and I've heard a few people say it this week, you should be able to win with a $200 million payroll, which is what the Phillies have. I mean, granted, they're only paying a third of it, but you, you get the idea. Uh, but, you know, the, the teams that win, you might think, well, how, how, can, how do the Yankees always seem to have money to add Garrett Cole? Why do the Yankees always seem to have money to add this, add that? They right. develop they a develop bunch of their own guys. guys. Yeah, exactly. they have the impact guys that are still low in their careers and are, and are not making so much money. Aaron Judge is not making a lot of money yet. Yeah, they right. bring in Giancarlo Stanton, but they have, they have Aaron Judge, right? That, right. I mean, that's, that's basic. Glaber Torres, Gary exactly. Sanchez. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, they won their World Series on Derek Jeter, Mariano Rivera, Andy Pettit, and, um, you know, who am I missing from the core four there? That Jorge was a homegrown Posada was, was Jorge Posada. Bad. There I mean, you go. And even grown. Bernie Williams, the starter. Bernie Williams, so yep. they were always good at that. And you know, when they got, yeah, when they got to be higher paid players, they had another round of young talent too. Like, so, so. This, Absolutely. So, so, I mean, the Phillies, yeah, they, 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 they have their, uh, they have their Bryce Harper, but who's, I guess, Reese Hoskins needs to be the guy that's the, the, the low price guy, Alec Bowman. But, you know, uh, one thing that's, and I really like the job he's done for the most part is, is Gene Segura. I mean, he's got his blunders here or there, but uh, as a defender, um, great, but they owe him $15 million, two more seasons after this one. So um, that's the kind of deal that's just enough to hamstrung you just to hamstrung an organization just a little bit. Um, Like, wouldn't it be great if you were really confident that Scott Kingery could be your second baseman of the future at, I think he signed his contract for 6 million a year. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's right. He, I forgot about that. He, he signed that sweetheart deal to, yeah. um, So money, that would be the difference between six and 15, that 9 million. Now all of a sudden you have to spend on, I don't know, relief pitchers perhaps, or, you you know, DD walk after this year and you, and you keep DD for for 15 million. So, so essentially now they're going to have to, I'm sorry, they're going to have to pay a lot of money if they want to keep, we know this, if they want to keep, Real Muto. They just have too many guys making really good money. You know, I mean, obviously Bryce Harper makes great money, but they don't have a ton of guys making, you know, great, great, great. Like the Yankees have Cole and um, Giancarlo Stanton making, you know, top three at your position type money. The Phillies only have Harper doing that. And I guess Arietta to to a degree. But after that, you know, they've got guys just make like like McCutcheon, another guy who's good, but he's making a lot of money for what he is. You and know? really, they 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 were they when they subtracted Carlos Santana, which was a free agent sign. Now, I, I I've I've said it before, Carlos Santana is a player I really like, and I think he's very talented, and he kind of showed what he could really do last year in Cleveland again. But but that twenty million dollars salary was replaced with thirty million dollars of salary because that that meant bringing in Segura and signing Andrew McCutcheon to replace him. That's basically what the trade-off was because, you know, mm-hmm. they had to replace uh, Hoskins, who le- vacated left field. So 
that that's that's uh, that, that's just too much money that's accumulating. Now, the, the only thing coming off the books this year, um, real muto, but you probably need to pay him way the heck more than that now, which mm-hmm. kind of almost uh, negates the money they're saving from like a, a David Robertson, um, right? Four million for Velasquez. Arietta comes off the books though, doesn't yeah, he? That's that's, big. that's the big one, right? So so Arietta is twenty five million dollars of of the competitive balance tax level. So right. um, this, this year was his uh, $20 million season, but, but mm-hmm. the average annual value, that's what counts when you're trying to put together a team under the competitive balance tax. And, and it's going to be hard too, because it, you know, you might say, Oh good. Well, Arietta's off the books. Well, that money can go to real Muto. Well, guess what? Then you still need to find somebody to start. I mean, even if, even if uh, Spencer Howard works out great and you have Nola and you have Aria uh, and um, Wheeler, but, and mm-hmm. Howard and Eflin, who who's going to get a bump in salary? Who's your Who's your fifth starter? You still need to find a starter that that needs to be uh, that needs to yes, be addressed, and then you still got to find more find more relievers. So uh, the money's going to be tight uh, after this year. So I mean, it's 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 um, it's going to be a situation where maybe they're going to have to find a way to get rid of some money. I don't I don't know how you, I don't know how you do it. I mean, do you find it? I mean, fans love them. I love them. But uh, Andrew McCutcheon, his salary is probably one of the higher salaries. You, you're probably just not going to find a taker for the for the money he's going to make next year, fifteen million. You're not going to find a taker for Gene Segura for fifteen million, right? I mean, right. I mean, other right. teams. You like, needed, look, yeah, you needed Scott Kingery to be able to play one of those infield spots, and you needed, you know, M- Mickey Moniak to be taking up an outfield spot that they're and instead of spending whatever ten million was it on, on McCutcheon. Or, 15, or even more 15, than that, 15, 15, sorry, 15 80, million yeah. on McCutcheon. There's nobody. Is there any? I, I, I do follow their minor league team, but obviously there's no minor leagues this year. But I can't think of a single player that I'm confident about coming up the chain next year, assuming everything would be normal and being able to play. I mean, Bomb's here already now. Boom is here, so that yeah. helps a little bit. But I mean, it still kind of creates a logjam. But I mean, the the sad thing is, you're gonna be stuck. You're gonna be stuck with. I'll say stuck. I mean, I think McCutcheon still provides value. I think Segura provides value. But you're yeah. stuck with those two guys, and you're gonna lose Didi. I mean, that's what's gonna happen. Happen, right? Yeah. The the Phillies feel like the Angels. They really do. They just feel like a team that's constantly just throwing money and throwing money and bringing in talent and bringing in talent, but can't put it together. You know, so, they, they they get the big name manager just like the Angels got, got Madden. But at the end of the day, they're snake bit by their inability to 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 in-house develop enough talent. So, what's your solution? It's a great question, uh, Frank. I, I really don't know because you know, even if the the regime is fired, right, and they bring in anybody new, that person can't just all of a sudden remake the team in one offseason. I mean, I suppose they can make some savvy moves, and maybe they will the goal would be to find good players who uh, come at cheap discount prices, which can be done. You know, let's go back to what Pat Gillick did. I, was it Gillick or Wade who got Shane Victorino as a rule five? I thought it was Gillick. Ed Wade, gra- Ed Wade grabbed Shane Victorino right before. Who was Wade? It was right before Pat Gillick took over, I believe. Okay. That was the rule five that year. Right. And well, that's uh, the Pat kind Gillick's of first year he said, oh, well, maybe Shane Victorino is our center fielder. Then he goes out and trades for Aaron Rowand. Right, right. But that is the kind of move that you need to hit on. You need to find like a rule five guy that can give you some, some good production and, uh, you know, well, Gillick had worth Jason worth. 
There you go. That's a perfect example. I mean, Jason who, Worth. Who's yeah. injured and beat up that was a top pro, top prospect that, that maybe you can get get to get to rehab <laughs> into a into a star again. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's but that's gonna, a tall task. Yeah, it doesn't funny, happen be, easily. Yeah. And it only I happened because what, he, he drafted him. Right. I think that's what happened with when what Clintac had in mind, you know, when he goes out and gets buckles a couple of years ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. injured pitcher, but pretty good when he stays healthy. Maybe we can stumble upon something here and it just didn't work you know he got hurt charlie morton same same exact story charlie morton yeah yeah it's a shame i mean listen i'm you know sometimes you just get unlucky so there have been moments where matt clintack just got unlucky but the bottom line is he's had many years and we have a tough time finding real talent that he's developed here and it's really even hard for the phillies unless i mean a few people have brought this up in my mailbag that i do but um trading somebody like someone asked once could you trade jt real muto for prospects and then re-sign him in the offseason well i mean that was the aroldis chapman thing with the yankees that brought labor torres i i, I don't know that that's <laughs> the no, yankees but... can do it because they are the yankees and people want to play for them and they can outbid everybody the phillies are, are stepping up to the plate financially but that's a risk that i would not want to take yeah about uh, well, I, I, I don't either. What, what, here's a question, though. What, what, if, what if you feel like JT Real Muto is not going to sign a, an extension and do you, do you even try to trade him at the Phillies or with the record like they have now as you get, get to the trade deadline, which, by the way, is a week from today. So that's Monday of next week. Yes, it's an unpopular thing to say, especially if they're in the contention. But I would say yes, because if you're feeling like this team – just doesn't have the bullpen to get it done, doesn't have the overall, you know, makeup to get it done. And someone can say, well, look at the Nationals. They were blowing games all over the place last year. Okay, maybe, but they also had Juan Soto. I mean, they had Robles. They, they were – they had Scherzer and they had Strauss. Well, they did have talent, uh, Trey Turner. So I don't know that I look at this Phillies team and say, oh, they're bursting and teeming with young talent. So you wouldn't want to get rid of a veteran like that because they could turn it all around and win it all. I, I just don't see that. By the way, the one name that might be the free agent – or free, excuse me, the uh, trade deadline closer that has moved that, that has been pitching very, very well is that same guy who blew lots of games for the Nationals at the start of last season. <laughs> and that would be Trevor Rosenthal. So oh, yeah. um, – that I wonder what the Royals are going to get for Trevor Rosenthal because we've already talked about this. Like the ability to make trades right now is, is something, something which you really can't predict. You're only mm-hmm. allowed to trade from your 60 player pool, but yeah, you could say a player to be named later or whatever else. But right now, Trevor Rosenthal granted it's early 12 appearances, one, five, nine ERA six saves for the Royals. Is he worth a gamble? Guy throws gas, man. He throws a hundred miles per hour, right? Yeah. Well, actually, I don't. I don't even know if he does anymore because you know, I mean, he he was hurt, and then yeah, I last, think he still does. Last year, he was he was putrid for the Nationals. He was zero and one with a twenty two point seven four ERA in in the same amount of games as he's played right now, twelve. <laughs> so after twelve games last year, twenty two seven four ERA. After twelve this time, one five nine. And then uh, he went to Detroit for a little while and had a 70 ERA and 10 more appearances. He's probably the last guy left. I mean, the Phillies might have to give up something to get him too. But uh, that's the only name I really have that, that 
And the Phillies don't need to add a bat, right? They don't need to add a – I don't know if they can get a starter from somebody. I mean, maybe it's worth getting a starter with all these, these double headers. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Or, you know, who's, who's a good starter that's going to be given up at this point? With, with every team pretty much in it, I don't see that. Yeah, it's, it's and you would need to get – and you would need whoever, whoever uh, makes the deal to take Vince Velasquez back because you need the money to match up. That's another thing too because right. they don't want to go right. over the luxury tax. So Right. So it will be so a very – Will be a very interesting uh, August thirty first trade deadline. Hopefully, by the time we chat next week, Jeff, we'll have a, a good idea of of how this bullpen is going to flow. Uh, still won't have Jose Alvarez for a little while. Uh, hopefully, he will be back soon to to help this Phillies bullpen. But it's a different bullpen. Maybe we'll have different results next week, Jeff. It's been great chatting baseball with you as always. We'll catch you next time, everybody. This has been the Powder Blue Podcast. Frank Close, Jeff Mosher. Have a wonderful week.